Hello, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. Today is January 7th, 2024, and I'm here with Christina, and we're going to talk about the week ahead. Hello, Christina. Hi, Tess. <laughs> we're in person, we're in person together today, so we're sharing a microphone. Yes, I've been at Tess's house for like, what, almost six days now? And yeah, yeah, I was supposed, we did the year ahead mm-hmm. forecast here, which was really nice. And then I was supposed to leave today, but my flight just completely was canceled. I don't know why, no reason. Airlines don't give a fuck about <laughs> us anymore. <laughs> They're just like texting you in the middle of the night. By the way, your fucking flight's canceled. Way, go fuck not, yourself. By the way, you're not going home tomorrow. Yeah, Good luck. <laughs> you're not going home. Uh, you can go home on Tuesday. Yeah, it was like supposed to fly today, Sunday. And they just texted me. They're like, you're rebooked for Tuesday. I was like, Tuesday? It's so wild that they'll just rebook you for Tuesday, which is not close. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not even remotely close. I don't know what's happening, but I'm, I got on a different airline and I'm coming back home tomorrow only because I have a child who I must see, who I also love, but Tessa's house is really nice. I would have been happy to stay. Until I know Tuesday. when you said that that you could, I was like, oh, you could totally stay till Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. But I, I know that that probably won't work for you. Yeah, no, I do have to go home and be a mom. Although my child is having a lot of fun with his dad, so um, I don't know that it's actually an emergency. Um, Kevin was like, he can stay here a couple more days. I was like, hmm, oh, that's nice. But. Yeah, I know. Eventually, we do have to let you go. And I'm also getting a little bit worried about the weather because it hasn't. It's not really winter here yet, but it looks as though it might become winter very, very quickly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, then it might be even harder for you to get back. Yeah, I'm like escaping before a storm. Mm-hmm. We'll see if nothing changes tonight, or right. if American <laughs> Airlines doesn't text me and be like, no, <laughs> your your flight is canceled. Um, but yeah, so we're happy to be together, and um, we just did the whole year ahead. Um, which some of you may have already listened to. Uh, it's it's funny and interesting to switch gears to look at just a week because for the last two weeks, I've been analyzing this large swath mm-hmm. of time and looking at big trends um, and big themes. And now we're going we're going micro again, looking at it day by day. So. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm very, very <laughs> kind of just hanging on. So yeah, I'm interested to see what you hear, what you have to say, what you think is going to happen, aside from flight delays and snowstorms. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because um, in the year ahead, we were like January productive. January, everything is going. You know. Um, to get straightened out and we're off to the races. And I do think that's true, but our generation, so like, um, we're like 1986. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of early millennial, mid millennial. I don't know. I think it's in the middle. I think it's pretty, well, no, no, maybe it is kind of early. I think it's like early mid millennials. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we have, I, Tess and I both have Neptune in the really early degrees of Capricorn. So it's sort of like every Capricorn transit that goes through our chart, it takes a couple of degrees to push past that Neptune, the generational Neptune we have. So individually, even though Capricorn transits tend to be like pretty good and productive for, um, for me at least, my planets have to get 
the planets have to push past my personal Neptune in my chart. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like it kind of skews everything in the early degrees of Neptune or of, of Capricorn for me. So the the productivity is just looming. Yeah, looming. <laughs> it's like I, I'm seeing I'm seeing all the things I have yeah. to do through like the haze of Neptune, and I'm like, oh, but it's still I'm still in a dreamy place. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to work yet. And then as soon as Mars like pushes past Neptune, I think it'll happen on Tuesday, I'll probably mm. be like, oh my god, I have so many things to do, and I have to do them right now. I know, I feel it, I feel it coming already. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm like, oh gosh, how much laundry can I do in the next two days? So, like, it's, <laughs> to every, be ready. It just feels like everything is gonna happen all at once, you know, and anything that I didn't do, like laundry or something, is just gonna become an emergency at the same time. Yeah. That everything else is going to happen. That's the, the feeling I'm getting. Yeah. I think that, um, I also think there'll be like a progressive quality to January where like every week will be busier than the next, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but this week, the thing I'm most interested in is the new moon mm-hmm. in Capricorn. Um, so I think this is a, is a, interesting new moon because it's the last new moon we're going to get with Pluto and Capricorn. So Pluto is going to move into Aquarius at the end of this month. Um, there'll be a very brief interlude of Cap- of Pluto moving back into Capricorn, just like for a quick retrograde um, last next fall. So fall of 2024. And then after that, it's just straight up Pluto and Aquarius for 20 years. <laughs> um, but this will be the last new moon. And um, the moon is already considered to be in her fall in Capricorn. So, or excuse me, not her fall, her detriment. So exile is, is another way of thinking about it. So it tends to be the sign that least supports the quality of that planet that's Mm. considered to be the detriment. So, um, or exile. So it's almost like you can consider that planet to be like sort of, uh, it's like far from their homeland in a place where they don't understand the customs. They're not, um, naturally inclined towards the qualities and traditions of the space so they can't be their best self yeah yeah so they can't be their best self or they they have to they can be their most uh, the fullest expression of who they are so they tend to find a lot of like tricks and avenues to express themselves through different like lenses that would be considered appropriate in that area mm-hmm. So the home of the moon, right? The home of the moon is Cancer. And um, the moon is the ruler of Cancer. This is the place where the moon expresses herself um, with the, the, fullest, um, the fullest manifestations of the moon with her most maternal qualities. It's a place where we do, it's, it's, it's the sign of the zodiac where we are, that's most closely associated with mothering and motherhood which is associated with the moon so nurturing 
giving care. It's a water sign where all of our emotions are welcome, um, where our emotionality tends to sort of take shape. So it's kind of like the surging and swelling of emotions, not necessarily the kind of the sinking in that we do in Pisces, um, but the we think of it as the tide. Like it's like we are compelled to go do things in Cancer based on our feelings. Mm -hmm. So I feel a swell of love for my children, and that is going to propel me into the action of taking care of them. Mm -hmm. um, so this is that's cancer. That's what the moon does. And this is why, um, you know, we find the moon feels very comfortable in, in that place. So that would be the home of the moon, the place where she's the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. Her detriment is Capricorn because that's Saturn's sign. And Saturn is the sign or the, excuse me, the planet that represents rules structures, boundaries. He is much more associated with like the father or the patriarch. So it's kind of like, this is the place where we don't, our, our emotions are not valued because they're not productive because they're not, because, because it's not a space that's oriented around emotions. It's a space where we're supposed to be industrious, get things done, build things, look at, um, look at the shape and structure of things in a very unemotional way to understand, to make a plan, to navigate through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's sort of, um, it's a place where the moon is considered to have a difficult, a more of a difficult time. Um, and for about, let's see, it's almost 18 years. Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008. I think that's what you said last time. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be 18 years, right? It's 2024. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for about 18 years, the moon who's already been, you know, has a hard time in Capricorn um, has had to contend with Pluto there as well. So we've had 18 new moons. Um, in Capricorn with Pluto. And this is the last one. So what? Oh, 16. 16. Oh my God, I can't do math. No, I know. That's why I got out the calculator because <laughs> I agreed with you very readily. And then I thought to myself, wait a second. We're not yeah. in a space to be doing math. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, you know, like when I'm, I'm a lot better at doing math when I'm not looking at things intuitively. Yeah. I wouldn't usually try to do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Swanee's had this concerned look on her face and I knew my math was wrong, but um, also not in a space to do math. But anyway, 16 new moons in Capricorn with Pluto. Every, so for like, we have gotten accustomed yeah. to the moon being new in Capricorn with Pluto. Well, and it's, and it's especially interesting, I think for us, because we graduated in what, like 2004, 2005, or do you know, 2003, 2004? I graduated from high school in 2004. And I graduated in 05. In 05, yeah. And so this has been a lot of our adult life. 
Right. Like if you imagine, um, you know, graduating from college and then kind of just being like in your early 20s and exploring things, having fun, whatever. It's been a lot yeah. of our experiences, adults in adult life. Right. So if if the if the moon is already if the moon already struggles right in Capricorn right the new moon in Capricorn is by its nature going to be sort of like a little bit of a repressed or more challenging or emotionally closed off new moon right mm-hmm. um, it's also going to be a new moon that's like oriented toward okay what what do I need to get started that mm-hmm. is real, like, what do I need to get done? You know, what do I need to fix? What do I need to, um, what parts of my life need to be repaired? You know, it's like, it's, it's going to be sort of the beginning. It's, it's, it's going to be a, a new cycle, a yearly new cycle that's going to be focused on sort of like f- patching up problem areas in our life. But with Pluto there, sharing the sign all of those renewals are going to be sort of colored with this like plutonian haze right with pluto generates fear it generates this sense of a power struggle it generates a sense of oftentimes false urgency that Mm -hmm. is sort of related to our um a sense of insecurity that that's bound to our fear. So we've had this, this process, um, this, this Plutonian beginnings, lens. Plutonian beginnings every month. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Every, every Capricorn new moon for 16 years. <laughs> so interesting. Um, so I'm thinking of this time as sort of this week in particular, um, with this final sort of new moon and Capricorn co-present with Pluto, which will never happen again in our life, by the way. It's not like, you know, Pluto will never be in Capricorn again mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, after this year for as long as anyone listening to this podcast will be alive. But it will be other places. <laughs> yes, it will be other places, but we will never have this again. We'll never mm-hmm. have another That's new what, moon yeah. and Capricorn co-present with Pluto. Never again. So what I think is going to be an interesting experience this weekend. I'd be curious to know if other people, if other people experience this in their life, I'm guessing they will, but probably a resurgence of old fears Hmm. and a resurgence of like a, a heightened intensity of something that sort of has been a on and off mm-hmm. or in the background fear for the last 16 years for millennials, honestly, for a lot of our adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably can be tracked to the house that Capricorn dominates yeah. um, or the house that Capricorn rules. So like for me, it's like money. So I have my second house is Capricorn. That's finances, stuff, money, right? Mm-hmm. Where, do you know where mine is off the top of your head? Yours is the third house. So that's oh. um, communication. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh. it's communication. It's speaking. It's writing. It's um, like 
communicating to your community it's your neighborhood it's it's siblings to a certain okay. extent it's your extended family so um it, it gets it's interesting because like i don't like i had a big resurgence of like fears about money the last couple of days mm -hmm. um and swanee can attest to this because i was talking to you about it two nights ago and it's sort of like like I, nothing is wrong you know like i've i'm fine i have multiple you know streams of income i'm you know patching that i've been patching together everything has progressed along mm -hmm. a couple of years like you know i don't have any there's no real indicators in my life that should there's nothing tangible happening that should make me feel this resurgence of fear. Yeah. And so when I was preparing for this podcast, I was like, oh, there that's got to be it. You know, it's this last, it's not just the new moon either. It's, you know, the sun is also in Capricorn. So it's the last Capricorn season that yeah. is going to be with Pluto co-present in the sign. But I think for what I'm hoping is that, this Capricorn season is like the sort of goodbye to those fears to a certain extent or goodbye to this sort of cha long chapter. What day is that going to be? Um, when Pluto leaves Capricorn. Yeah, like that. Or that new moon that we're talking about. The new moon will be on the 13th on oh. um, Wednesday. It's just so... It's, well, I've got... I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to spend too much time talking about me or um, things that might be un like squeamish for people. But I've got the tongue tie revision on the 15th. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. No, you could be is, squeamish. It's okay. Well, I don't want to I won't <laughs> give anyone details because it does sound somewhat alarming. But I've I just recently discovered that I've got a severe tongue tie that I was unaware of that's affecting all kinds of things including like jaw neck tension and my ability to project my voice my ability mm. to articulate my words so, so wild. it's wild for me to have the third that to have been my third house because uh a lot of my life has been about being told you need to can you speak up can you project more can you speak up and i'm like i can't yeah. I, I, I cannot um and i thought it was a diaphragm issue so i worked on that still still no so yeah, that's we'll wild. We'll find out. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe nothing will change. I'll still have all the same things, but it'll, it's, it is fascinating timing. The last act of Pluto in your third house of communication is to untie your tongue. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that is like a really... And this was the only appointment they had. I tried to push it back later this month, but no, it had to be that day. It's on the 15th? Yeah. So two days after, I think the... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The first day, the first available day that the office would be open after this happens. Wow. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because the other, the thing I always tell my clients about Pluto is that Pluto is just an asshole. I mean, it's like the worst planet. It's just the worst. And a lot of, you know, a lot of what Pluto does is just generate fear and I hear a lot of astrologers talking about trying to frame Pluto in a positive way, the transformational, you know, 
qualities of Pluto and Pluto will put us in touch with our deepest power and can transform our whole, whole aspects of our life and all this, there's this, this narrative about how Pluto can give us access to our power. And I think that is true. It just very rarely pans out that way. I was <laughs> like... going to say, I would love to see examples of like individuals with very strong Pluto in their chart that you can see like, you know, like famous people or leaders or, you know, something like that. Like, I would really like to see like some kind of case study for this. Yeah. Because it feels like a hard source of power and like a... I think yeah. there are a lot, like some maniacal dictator figures that have Pluto on their like angles. But the okay. thing is, it usually also comes with their demise, you know, right. like it's, it's just not an energy that's easy to work with. And it, it can happen. Like it, you can, you can transform aspects of your life when Pluto sort of transits key planets like transits your luminaries or transits oh, okay. yeah like it can act as kind of like a little bit of a fuel source or like an intensifier or a magnifier of other things yeah or like sense. a little gate like yeah, pluto's yeah. like the um pluto's a ruler of the underworld right so it's yeah. like he can open the gate so you can go into like the deepest darkest part of yourself and then like work with that mat material and transform it but it doesn't seem to have the quality that would take you back out yeah like that's what i always see with pluto is like every other planet i'm like this is definitely the benefit the benefit the benefit and i'm, pluto, I'm like with pluto i'm like i don't it's yeah. very hard to see it because it does seem like it just kind of brings you there but then doesn't have like the it doesn't like reach the conclusion point of that yeah. on its own well i think that you have to have your own practice of it or other sources of power that you're working with to do exactly what you're saying or it's like he can he can open the gate to the material that needs to be transformed but you have to have like another practice or another source that's gonna help you actually do the transforming. <laughs> it's like the video game where if you end up in a certain place without the tools that you need, and there, there's no way to get back to the beginning to get them when you just have to like yeah. restart the game. Yeah. So I don't know, like maybe you can, if you have like a spiritual practice, you can use that as a foundation for like working with the material that trans that spirit that Pluto gives you access to or some sort of therapeutic practice or some, I don't know. But the whole point of beginning this was that it, I think it very rarely works out that way. I think more often than not, Pluto just like drums up a lot of fear that we don't really fully process. And then we kind of just were like, <laughs> oh God, I'm glad that's over now. <laughs> Deal with it the next time it comes up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Thankfully, Pluto will never be on my sun again. So, you know, hopefully <laughs> I'll never have to feel that way again or, or whatever. But in this case, there is like a little small transformation happening in the sense that like, you know, your voice and your ability to project and articulate may be like getting sort of reworked over the next couple of weeks. Yes. And I think one of the interesting things, because I have to do this myofacial therapy beforehand yeah. um, to do the 
to you know make do the recovery safely and productively is that i've learned a lot about what people struggle with that have these tongue ties and how much i've had to do to compensate yeah. for it and so i was like oh that's really interesting because i do feel like i over articulate things mm. um and that i have had to be kind of more choosy about what comes out of my mouth and what goes into my mouth because of like and like because chewing is hard for me so it's like yeah. i can't chew as well i can't eat well in public there's just like all these other things that i've had to learn how to do really 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 well or like let go of in yeah. order to um to compensate for this so it is interesting that the gift i guess would be being forced to become exceptional <laughs> hopefully <laughs> in yeah. certain ways although and the, and then the the risk feels like i might i don't know you know could lose a lot of it especially temporarily i might just be like ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we might we might have to take a hiatus yeah <laughs> for a few weeks we'll, te we'll test uh, recovers from her tongue tongue tie um, well i'm supposed to speak more um, yeah. to keep it uh to like help with the healing process but i might not speak well it might be yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I mean, <laughs> Tess was telling me this the other day, actually, that you that the therapist person told you that you have to force yourself to talk when mm -hmm. you're recovering. Yeah, um, which is so not Tess. Like Tess is oh. Tess is like someone who talks. I avoid talking. Yeah, cost. I don't like it. Like, well, you speak really well. You always have interesting things to say, and you always have valuable things to say. But you don't speak unless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless you need to, unless you're yeah. less like someone really wants you to, unless you really have something you want to say, you're otherwise pretty like quiet, you know, you're, like listening to other people talk and, um, I love silence. Yeah. I love silence. <laughs> so it's just, it's very funny to me that the idea of imagining you for like several days, just like forcing yourself to say shit because you're the last person in the world that would ever do that. And so I was thinking about it in terms of your chart. And like I said earlier in this podcast about our particular slice of the millennials that mm -hmm. have Neptune and early Capricorn. Yeah. So Mercury is going to go into um, Capricorn on Saturday. Okay. Um, so it'll be with that whole... Saturday the 13th. So um, that is hilarious to me because... Mercury will be going over your Neptune while you're doing this process of just needing to like talk nonsense. So it'll you know? just be a lot of saying <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. You'll just be talking nonsense, like Mercury and Neptune nonsense while your tongue heals. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be the most fun week for me for a lot of reasons, but I am excited. About it. No, no, I'm happy about it. And I am actually really happy that it's kind of lining up with this. This is when it's, I mean, I, I might say this a lot. This is when astrology is nice. There's lots of times when it's nice, but um, it is kind of cool to see it line up like that and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Suddenly it just feels more correct or like I'm making the right choice because this isn't totally necessary to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's lining up really interestingly. And it's, it is interesting because it's like Pluto... Pluto's sort of last act of being your third house is this tongue tie revision, but it, it's, 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 it's a good, 
example of like the difference between a Pluto transit that is engaged directly with one of your major planets mm. versus a Pluto Pluto transit that is going through a part of your chart <clears throat> that doesn't touch any of your luminaries. Um, right, it's not like a big life change. Yeah, it's not like a huge. Yeah, like you don't have Pluto. You haven't had Pluto blasting any of your planets for the last whatever ten years. Um, nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's sort of like just moving through the, this house, which is your third house. So it's, it's bringing up these themes, right, mm -hmm. of communication. Yeah, and it's it's forcing you through to a certain extent a process to address some of the limitations that you have around speech. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not like drilling deep into your psyche or deep into your life or deep into, you right. know, yeah. um, which is nice. That, that process is really not super pleasant for people. Um, but yeah, like for people who have the luminaries in Capricorn or Cancer, um, or have like a personal planet, especially at the late degrees of Capricorn or Cancer. Um, Pluto moving out of Capricorn is going to be a huge relief. Oh, that's nice. You know, it's sort of like a lot of pressure coming off. off, coming off your chart. Maybe that's part of what I was seeing when I was, I don't remember when we were talking about this, but it was earlier. We we're talking about a lot of, um, I was just seeing a lot of people around our age kind of stepping into authority hmm. and um, feeling like, you know, be becoming regarded as with expertise and yeah, as just like authority figures in the field that they've been developing or a lot of people feeling as though they are not fully adults or, you know, that's kind of become a very common kind of millennial joke is that yeah, we don't really feel like adults and it might make people suddenly feel like, oh, no, I'm an adult and I have authority and yeah, I have expertise and I'm able to, you know, give it out <laughs> and people yeah, are interested. And I'm not as afraid. Like it, it does kind of represent, I think, like whenever Pluto ships signs, there has to be like, OK, certain fears have either been overcome or and processed or now we're just like we don't have them as much anymore mm -hmm. you know and i think that regardless of where how important capricorn is to your chart it is really a generational marker for yeah. for for millennials like pluto and capricorn has been a huge part of our experience yeah. as adults and you know our way of interfacing with the world which was through this lens of Pluto and Capricorn of questioning every institution, questioning every, um, per, you know, person or source of power, um, questioning um, the the integrity of our institutions, question like all of that, all of the legitimate and illegitimate and everything in between, fear about power, institutions, authorities, structures. That's all Pluto and Capricorn. Like those are big, big Pluto and Capricorn themes. I mean, it. The <laughs> banking system collapsed as Pluto moved into Capricorn in two thousand eight. So, like, this is a signature of our generation, you know. And we've all had to sort of 
process this and deal with this. And I do think that Pluto <laughs> leaving Capricorn, maybe a lot of millennials will just be like, well, fuck, that was weird. I guess like we just, we don't trust any institution or authority and that's say... just who we are and that's okay. We're adults now and we're going to start making our own institutions and being our own authority. I was going to say, it's not as though we're going to start trusting things. Yeah. It's that like we're just going to accept that we can't trust any of it. Yeah, yeah. There's no longer the, the question. There's no questioning anymore. It is just how things are. Yeah. We'll just be like, make we'll make some like weird peace with it. And then we'll just start being like, well, I guess we need to build our own structures now. <laughs> we need to be in charge and we need to, you know, like we, we have to get on with our life mm-hmm. and we have to rebuild some things and we have to do it ourselves. Because there's no one else to trust, you right. know? And that would have been, I'm sure a lot of people have already come to that conclusion. But the thing about Pluto is it kind of, I think it kind of traps us in whatever we're processing, you know, traps mm-hmm. us in that fear place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. So do you, Pluto think, leaving. do you think the experience of it this week will feel, could feel like, an ending to a chapter or like something yeah. significant could happen that's related to everything else that sort of is like a hard stop i want to I, I feel like the moon the the new moon might make it feel a little more personal mm-hmm. so it might kind of like hone in on the place where we feel like children still you know like yeah or where like the place where we feel like we couldn't nurture ourselves or where we weren't nurtured enough mm-hmm. and maybe as the last new moon in capricorn you know the sign uh, the last new moon in capricorn with pluto um capricorn being the sign of authority structures the sign of father figures the sign of the government you know there might be this sort of like I don't know the sense of of maybe recognizing like okay well we we never felt we we felt like maybe like trapped in like a childhood state because of a lack of nourishment that we felt from some like authority or something like that like it could be like on, on the micro level, like father, but it could be society. It could be like the government. It could be like, you know, something, yeah, something, something, something that, that inhibited a, yeah. matur- a maturation process. Yeah, like a fear place. that kept us feeling like small or helpless mm-hmm. or something like that. But it might, I feel like the, um, the new moon might feel like kind of personal, like it, about it in a way, like I felt like I couldn't participate in something I wanted to participate in fully sure, yeah. because I still felt underdeveloped or something. Yeah. Maybe there's a process of recognizing that piece. And then when Pluto moves, hopefully we'll kind of be like, okay, I can grow up now and I can like do the things that I was afraid of doing. You know, I can start my own business. Like, I'm, I'm not. So next, you know. so next month, just ignorant confidence. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got this. I hope, man. Shit, I, I could definitely use some ignorant confidence. Like, I've always felt like I really, really lacked that. You know, <laughs> like just a severe lack 
of ignorant confidence <laughs> in my life. I have, I've always envied it in other people. <laughs> I can really use a healthy dose of ignorant confidence. Um, or any confidence. But <laughs> we were just talking about how apparently Gen Z thinks it's cringe that millennials make fun of themselves, which I didn't I, mean, I didn't know. This is me as someone who's like an older person finding out from a very limited source something about another generation that may or may not be true and just telling people like it's facts. You know, <laughs> you know like, the young kids. You know what the kids are doing now. So I don't actually know if that's true. But it it I mean if it is I can see it. If it was true I would understand because we do do that. We do, yeah. <laughs> we do make fun of ourselves a lot. I just thought everyone did that but um but yeah so that's a new moon in capricorn i think i misspoke earlier about the date so the new moon in capricorn that is gonna be wednesday the the 10th i think hang on i'm gonna look it up before i speak here oh okay so january 11th thursday morning at around 4 a.m. on the West Coast. That's the exact new moon in Capricorn. So really, really early uh, Thursday morning. Um, but the moon will be in Capricorn the whole day before that. So we'll be feeling these themes. And yeah, I think that it's also worth noting that the new moon is at 20 degrees of Capricorn and trining Uranus in Taurus. So that's a very sort of like industrious, oh no, sorry. It's okay. Um, my ex-husband just called me. I think my son wants to show me something, but I'm gonna put them on mute. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, <laughs> uh, so, oh no. Okay. So, the new moon is trining um, Uranus in Taurus, and so that's a all trines are from the same, like, triplicity. So, Earth signs only try in earth signs, water signs only try in water signs. Mm. And a trine is the most sort of synergistic, positive aspect mm. that two planets can have, um, or two groups of planets can have. Uh -huh. So we had this new moon in Capricorn, which just discussed at length, um, trining Uranus and Uranus being this planet of sort of like, uh, power, sort of un, uh, out of control Shakti, uh, Light, it, lightning, elect yeah. electricity. Yeah. And innovation, Dy dynamite. dynamite. So I do, I think there is like a positive quality to oh, this yeah. moon, like yeah. a lot of like lending of power to change things for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, but in a sort of like industrious and productive way. So it might kind of feel like you're getting called into something that helps you overcome some of these old fears. Like you're feeling the fear, but there's a knock on the door and someone's saying like, hey, 
like, I know you're afraid of this, but it's time to, to get going. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time to move past this. It's time to sort of, like, wake up, new day, put your clothes on, put your big boy <laughs> pants on. <laughs> We're going to work. We're going to get some shit done. It's like, you know, it, it has this sort of, like, ge- it has a sort of generative quality to it, even with Pluto. It's almost like Pluto there, Pluto's there being like, hey, like, no, you're still in the underworld. You can't leave yet. You know? yeah. <laughs> but we're leaving, you know, we're, we're climbing out of the trap door of the underworld. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, we've been there for 16 years and this week they're like, and you forgot this and you forgot this and you forgot this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I still have more things I to scare you with. <laughs> um, I didn't show you your dead aunt's bones yet. You know, <laughs> like there's... <laughs> Um, this family trauma is still here to drag you down, but no, we're moving on. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's positive. I, th- I do think that if you feel the surge of like weird fear or weird obstacles or like emotions around old things that you think you've processed or on the, on the flip side, it could be like the sense of like, I'm not. I don't think I need to be afraid of this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think either of those qualities could color this week. Um, and I think it would be an interesting thing just to track and think about. I would be very curious to hear if people experience this. I don't want to speak for you, but if anyone ever wants to tell us, you know, how this week was in the messages or email or if anyone has any questions, we'd be happy to try yeah. to answer them here. Please let us know. Yeah, please let us know. It's always fun. I always enjoy knowing that I'm right and I don't <laughs> enjoy knowing that I'm wrong, but it's useful to know when yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> so I welcome like all forms of feedback. Feedback, yeah. Um anyone who's a cardinal rising sign so that's gonna be capricorn aries cancer or libra those these themes will just naturally be stronger for you mm-hmm. guys because this um this new moon is happening on an angle mm-hmm. for all of those rising signs so yeah i'm um i think it'll be interesting in terms of just the general weather um beyond like the deeper stuff that's happening um mercury will move into capricorn on saturday the 13th and i think that will be a part of this another step in that progressive quality of busyness that i was talking about Mm -hmm. like i think this week will feel pretty busy for folks and like a lot of stuff is off to the races with mars and capricorn mars moved into capricorn last um thursday the fourth okay so so we've had mars and capricorn he's gonna pick up the speed of everything in our life he's gonna sort of focus us on some sort of productive task or some sort of work effort or or whatever it is but then when mercury moves in this saturday the 13th that's like the next stage of it where it's like one more planet is jumping into the fray and pushing things forward Mm -hmm. um Mercury and Mars being co-present, that's always going to have a sort of contentious quality. So it creates 
more opportunity for verbal conflict, mm -hmm. for mental conflict, for disagreements. But because Mars is so strong in Capricorn, it's his strongest sign. It's his sign of exaltation, where he's considered to be it's considered to be one of the most functional places in the Zodiac for Mars. I think that that Mercury Mars combination will be a little bit more productive. Mm -hmm. It'll be like an idea to make something better and the will to put it in action, <laughs> you know, um, a, you know, a forward moving team and like commentaries that may not be like the kindest, but critiques that help us, you know, get better at, what we're doing, like everything feels the combination of Mercury and Mars that's going to sort of be in the background starting Saturday the 13th and for the rest of the month mm -hmm. feels a, like a more productive pairing than it naturally normally is. So that's good. That is good. And hopefully it'll just mean that if you do need to be communicating about productive things, there'll be a force behind that too. Yeah. Or like a kind of easy back and forth or a or like a fast back and forth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that all things look pretty, pretty forward moving and productive this month with the exception of like, like today, tomorrow, so Sunday, the seventh, tomorrow, Monday, the eighth, and then to some degree, like Tuesday, Wednesday, we will still have this Mercury Neptune square. So this is preceding Mercury's ingress into Capricorn on the 13th. That Mercury Neptune square can definitely create some confused communication, some confused mm -hmm. thinking encounters with like, mentally out of control um like people ideas um like it, neptune can just represent a lot of crazy mm -hmm. it can represent some ideals and creativity and dreams but it can also just be like encountering things that feel crazy and nonsensical um so there that quality might pervade a little bit early in this week but it is the third hit of mercury to neptune by square in the last approximately six weeks. So Mercury, because of the retro retrograde cycle we oh, just right. ended, yeah. like has already been through this. Okay, yeah, because it does been feeling kind of mentally foggy for a while now. Yeah. And I was sort of anticipating slash hoping that lifting in order to sink into the pro productivity that yeah. looks like is coming, but I haven't yeah, haven't felt that yet. Yeah, I think that this third hit by square to Neptune that's happening tomorrow, Monday, the 8th, um, it should be the most, the clearest of the three, you know, because it's sort of like something we've been trying to process, maybe incorrectly, or maybe like, very um, indirectly, mm -hmm. or creatively, or through some different lenses mm -hmm. um like maybe we have like maybe we won't come to like the clearest view of whatever that thing is but this third this third hit to neptune should feel more clear than the rest and if it is around like a creative idea or something you've been struggling with interpersonally then there could be a sense of like 
oh, this is this is what I really want. Mm-hmm. Or like this is how I really feel. Even if even if there's still in a clear path, there yeah. may be like some sort insight. of weird insight or clarity that comes through early in the week that's pertaining to kind of some process you've been through throughout most of December. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the most of the rest of the planets are already like moving past this and Mercury is starting yeah. to catch up with them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it's like we talked so long in the last podcast about the year ahead. That the week now feels very much like. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like this very small chunk of time to be analyzing. Well, there's also a strange quality to it that feels kind of like it's already happening or happened or something. Like it doesn't. At least that's how I feel about it. I mean, and I think maybe that's just the rush of Mars kind of pushing me forward and making me feel or think more about the future than I usually do. Yeah. Um, what could, I mean, Mars was so debilitated with the Saturn square and then the square to Neptune that I think that part of like Mars moving into Capricorn just feels like this relief that should immediately translate into yeah. productivity but it hasn't really like yeah. taken hold yet. <laughs> so yeah. Um, it's like being in the airplane and you've taxied and, but you're not moving and you're just like, where, what's going on with this plane? Are we, are we, waiting? Yeah. <laughs> when are we, when are we, we going to get to the gate? What yeah. time it is? Like you've taken off your seatbelt, you're ready to go. You like packed up your stuff. You're like, okay. Yeah. Now we're not moving. Now we're not moving. Now we're waiting for like, we're in that bottleneck of sort of people getting off the plane. Mm-hmm. We're about to get to where we're going, but we're not there just yet. We haven't heard that ding and the lights come on and everyone's, yeah. <laughs> the shuffling of everyone getting up. We're waiting for Mercury to get past the square to Neptune. But yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be a, a really interesting week. And I think the Capricorn season will be a really interesting season because we're all processing the last 16 years of Pluto and Capricorn. Mm, Interesting. I mean, this would be a fun time to look at where your personal Pluto is because that's going to. Yeah. Or Pluto has been in your chart. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's been in your chart. It is also interesting. Like I find it interesting as an astrologer to look at people's natal placements. Yeah. And then how that natal placement tends to um, kind of shine through transits as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that's always super fun and interesting to me. Um, For those who don't know, like a natal placement means like the planet, where the planet is in your birth chart. So fundamentals of astrology, your birth chart is the position of the planets in the sky the moment you were born. And most of what we talk about on this podcast is the planets transiting through the sky and how those transiting of planets affect all of us with like these big thematics, right? Mm -hmm. But the transiting planets are also affecting us as individuals as they interface with our personal birth chart. Mm -hmm. The birth chart is almost like a map like a natal map that is like interactive, right? Because it's still 
like the, whatever themes are in that natal map are interacting with the themes that are being triggered in the sky. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the th- times I'll notice, especially with the slower moving outer planets, that wherever that planet is in your birth chart, that theme gets carried into the other parts of your chart right. as it moves. So like, um, like I have... I have Pluto in my 12th house mm. of like the inner life. Yeah. Essentially. So those themes are going to transit are are going to show up as Pluto transits through through other parts of my chart. So um building a business as an astrologer. <laughs> so I'm looking at people's like inner life. I'm using my own internal sort of intuition the wealth of my inner life to analyze other people's inner life and part of that is making money because it's part of how i make a living right so Mm -hmm. that's pluto transiting through my second house of money right um so like for you you have if you don't mind me no please (laughs) please i never mind Uh, you have pluto in your first house which is literally you in the world like expressing yourself interesting um and now it's transiting through your third house of expression. And there's a part of your literal body that's being revised. Wow. Or sh- changed Cause that's, cause or that, altered. Because yeah. the first house is usually your body stuff, right? Yeah. Mm. That, But this part of your, you know, your physical form is specifically connected to communication where right. Pluto is transiting. Right. That's wild. Yeah. So I feel like. With the inner planets, you know, they move so quickly and they touch on so many things that you can oftentimes see like a theme that they'll carry with them. But just by their nature, they, they just do a lot more. So they have to express like a, a wide variety of things. Mm-hmm. But with the outer planets, it can get kind of trippy where you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't they don't do as much right. in our yeah, charts. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have big, they have big they create big, big drama in the world and they can create big drama in our life, but it's just not as, it's not as multifaceted by, by its nature, you know? Yeah. I've had so many readings and I had, I did not know that Pluto was in my first house. <laughs> <laughs> like, not just trying, like I hang out with a lot of astrologers and so I can't even believe how many times I've missed that. Well, I think you get really confused because you... And I also jump between Vedic and... (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. A lot of the astrologers you know are Vedic astrologers. So they're all telling you different things about where where your planets are. Okay, well, that's... Yeah, I don't think it's Somewhat comforting because I'm just like, how did I... (laughs) It seems like something I would be interested in. (laughs) Well, part of your job is to literally transform people. So (laughs) you you kind of... Yeah, okay. you have like a Plutonian force to you that is combined with a lot of other things because you have Venus in your first house too. I feel like I've been thinking very badly about Pluto, <laughs> only to find out that <laughs> but you are Pluto. But I am house. Pluto. Oh my god! <laughs> but you're Pluto and Venus, so you know. Oh no, that makes so much that's sense. Nice combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> Well, we learned, at least Tess learned something. I learned something today. <laughs> I learned a lot of things today. Um, no, I mean, that's, uh, thank you for telling me. You're welcome. Um, the other 
thing that's happening that is relevant is that Venus is in Sagittarius now. Oh, nice. Um, which is typically a super fun place for Venus to be. Yeah. Um, she's by sign square to Saturn. So she kind of still has the same problems that all the other planets transiting through Sagittarius had where they were all squaring Saturn. So Saturn was sort of like putting the brakes on a lot of what the planets want to do. But it's just, it's going to be, we're going to feel it a lot less without the Mars-Saturn square. Because mm -hmm. um, the Mars-Saturn square kind of like puts brakes puts the brakes on everything we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and now that that has loosened up, the Venus Saturn square is just not going to have the same punch to it. Um, it might feel like some of our Venus activities are a little bit more muted than they would otherwise be. But Venus and Saturn actually get along a lot better mm -hmm. than Saturn and Mars. Like, um, mm, that so makes sense to me. Yeah. Venus, like, the way my astrology teacher uh, explained it, he was like, Venus doesn't exactly like Saturn, but Saturn loves Venus. Mm -hmm. um, so they don't have as much like natural animosity toward toward each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some optimism returning, some forward momentum returning, like prepare to get busy, especially starting on Saturday the 13th. That might feel like everything's really yeah. like jumping forward. But I think there's just a lot of signatures this month that indicate like potential for productivity, like innovation, moving things forward with a little bit of that extra positive jolt from maybe not positive, not, mm -hmm. it's not inherently positive, but a, an extra jolt of energy from Uranus. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think mostly good things. And we have a big meditation on the 13th. That's like the Kickstarter of our, um, like we do a lot of meditations every month at Intercurrence, but we always do like one really big one and we're doing something new this year. And that's starting on the 13th. So that feels very auspicious. Oh, I didn't realize it was on the 13th. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm so excited. Is yeah. it, so this is Narayana. Narayana, Narayani and um, the white drop. All right. So explain to us. Oh no. <laughs> so this is where I don't, I'm not, well, okay. So where do I begin? So we, we do, one of the things I do is I work with a structure called the white drop. There are many structures in the subtle body that can be activated. And this one is just a very, very safe way of going into different kinds of states or some Samadhi states, is what you would think of them as if you had that orientation. Um, and it's also very strongly associated with bodhicitta, uh, both the philosophy and sometimes the structure is called bodhicitta. So this has become one of the big focuses of intercurrence over the past couple of years. And this year we decided to incorporate um, the Das Avataras into those meditations because um, it'll give it kind of a progressive quality and inherently give you a lot of uh stability and structure and abundance and grace in your life um and that's kind of the balance that we're always trying to strike is like how far to push you <laughs> internally and spiritually versus how to 
equally push the structure and the stability of the life. Um, and we, I, I mean, I can't control that for individuals because it's a, a lot of it is just going to land on um, everyone who's participating, but we still do our best to <laughs> provide what we can to give you that stability and that uh, the structure. And so, yeah, so, and then because there's only 10 uh, of the Dao Sabataras, we added uh, Narayana to the beginning, who is a primordial form of Vishnu who's not uh, considered to be incarnate. So then we'll go from this incarnate to the different incarnations. Right. So, so for people who don't know, the Das Avatars are the classical, what, what are classically considered to be the avatars of Vishnu, mm -hmm. correct? So Vishnu is one of the primary gods of Hinduism. Yeah. Um, and he's the form of the divine that sort of like frequently comes to earth and takes a human body to help us, mm -hmm. you know? So this would be like Rama, Krishna, the Buddha, mm -hmm. depending upon what Those are form. All, there's more, there's more, there's a lot of different forms that are considered to be avatars of Vishnu that are not considered, that are not included in the official Das avatars structure. But yeah, that but Rama, Krishna, and the Buddha are all in yeah. the Das avatars. And those would be like the most, probably the most well-known yeah, to a Western sure. audience. Yeah. So basically, like, you are, we're gonna, you're gonna take, you're gonna pull a set of Vishnu and Lakshmi, like, to right. one of so, their forms, like, yeah. into the meditation every month. And the meditations are typically, they're on the white drop, right? They're on yeah. the, the Bodhicitta form. So the white yeah. drop being, like, sort of like the gate in mm -hmm. the subtle form that, Tess is particularly good at opening up for people or helping people develop mm -hmm. and open. And that gate sort of gives people access to more of their internal life and helps them develop bodhicitta, which is a quality of like love and compassion for all sentient beings. Is that my Yeah, you're way better at talking this <laughs> Yes, that's all correct. Um, <laughs> so it's almost like you're, you're, we've been working as a group for a long time on like this particular gate and developing bodhicitta but this year you're pulling in every month a different avatar of vishnu and a different avatar of his consort, consort yeah. lakshmi to help us stabilize that development and yeah. and give us a clear path to bringing it into the world yeah okay. yeah yeah and it's um it, it the das avatar is also uh, reflects the process of the development of the embryo. Oh, so it, it's also used to um, heal various kinds of developmental trauma, whether that mm. is, you know, actual embryonic trauma, or like any kind of process that we should have naturally gone through, that could have been disrupted or wasn't supported. Right. Um, so that's the other reason that it can be really, really stabilizing in the world. So it's like you've got uh, Lakshmi or form of Lakshmi kind of bringing in this abundance and this uh, feeling of uh, like connection to the glory of the creation as well as uh, the Vishnu who's going to be the structure and showing us a very very specific part of ourselves or a part of our development or a way that we can develop in these really really ideal or divine ways um, while at the same time I'm 
you know, pushing, yeah. pushing, pushing, the, pushing the white drop open for everybody so that you can stabilize that realization. Right. Um, and the, as you stabilize that realization internally, also your life is being supported. Yeah. I'm super excited for it. And I love like Tess and um, her husband, Jeffrey, come up with the best ideas of like how to work with um, many different devas from across many traditions and like use their, the specialties of, mm-hmm. of those devas um, to like really help us stabilize and, and heal ourselves. And one thing about trying to like push bodhicitta into the world or trying to connect and develop our own sense of bodhicitta is that if we have traumas from our past, our ancestry or places that we're like, you know, any number of traumas, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and you've taught me this, it's like our, the way that we act out positively or negatively in the world is going to be like through the twist yeah. of that trauma. Yeah. So, you know, we can use these meditations to sort of like, um, well, this is what Tess and I think Jeffrey are both really good at. It's like identifying devas that can help us really specifically with a lot of different kinds of traumas or, or past yeah. twists or pains or any kind of like specific thing that needs to be healed. Yeah. And so it's just like an opportunity to get to know different personalities, devas that can specialize in helping to heal a lot of different, different kinds of wounds. Mm-hmm. And when those wounds get healed, we can you know, are the bodhicitta right. can express itself in the world in like a much fuller um, capacity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So thank you for talking about it for so long. <laughs> I feel bad that I brought it up, but no, I'm really why? excited. No. Well, I don't know. Cause I don't like to advertise anything. I'm like, you can come, but you don't have to, but um, well, I can be excited about it for you. Oh, thank you. But it is open to everybody all the time. Everything's by donation that we offer. And um, you don't have to sit through the whole thing if you don't want to. You can just come and turn your camera off and walk around and do what you want if you don't prefer sitting down or meditating or whatever. Right. Whatever y'all like to do when doing this. <laughs> Tess is just Tess. pushing the white drop open. Well, that's, that's all, all she's doing. focused that's on. All, that's all I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so there's that meditation on the 13th. Tess yeah. does a really wonderful meditation with like 10 forms of the... Um, uh, 10 forms of the universal mother, mm-hmm. um, every Friday night. And that's open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, all that information's on her website, which is intercurrents.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm my book scheduling book for the year is now open. So mm-hmm. people can, um, schedule readings with me anytime. My website is skiesofgrace.com. And then Tess and I are um, still have some slots available for your head readings. If you're interested in that, where we're doing, um, we're offering your head readings together. So I use base, I'll basically analyze your chart and then Tess will fill in detail with, um, Mm -hmm. with her just like amazing intuition. So that's been super fun and we've enjoyed doing those and we have some slots available. We'll, we'll offer that through January. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we're going to cut it off at the end of January. So if you want to jump on. Yeah, you can yeah, buy those um, and book them through 
Tess's website. I'll put the link. I always put the link in the sub links in the sub stack so you guys can find us um, and our work, including Intercurrent's whole calendar of meditations and offerings. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. Thank you. And uh, Christina is also going to start offering um, shorter, more time specific sessions. So if you if anything comes up that we're talking about and you're thinking, I'd really like to know how this next month's transits are going to affect me. Or if you hear her say, this is going to be really interesting for Libra rising. And you're <laughs> like, that's me. Um, she's going to have yes. an additional. Yeah, we'll have a, a shorter session for like a, a shorter, less expensive session that can be utilized just for like a quick peek at the month, month ahead. Yeah. So. Which I really enjoy. I'm really excited about <laughs> that. <laughs> it feels just a lot more. Sometimes it's not. I, I enjoy longer readings a lot, and I think that they can be very, like, kind of validating and um, help you process a lot of the things that you're already thinking about. But there is something very different about just being like looking at the month ahead and making very specific plans um, yeah. or kind of adopting very specific mindsets. Like, I, I think that's extremely valuable. So I'm very happy you're putting that up. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to everybody next week. I need to call my son back and see what he wants. He sent me a lot of pictures of him with a parrot on his shoulder, which oh. is slightly concerning. Also cool. But um, you're, are you going to come home to a bird? Yeah. Hopefully I won't come <laughs> home. Don't know. Okay. We went to visit an exotic bird store in Vista. Okay. All right. That doesn't as long mean, as the that, bird stays in the store. That doesn't mean you're not coming home with a bird. <laughs> I mean, Kevin can have a bird at his house. That's cool. I support that. I cannot have a bird. In my Look house. how happy but he looks Avi with looks the bird. So happy with his bird! Oh my god! All right, he can oh. have a bird if he really wants it. He's no, really he can't cute. have a bird. That's true. Before before we jump off, I also just want to say thank you so much to everybody that's been listening and downloading the podcasts and sharing um, the podcast and liking it. And it's just I, I, yeah I just I, I appreciate it so much I didn't really totally anticipate things growing as quickly as they have and um yeah I'm so thankful that yeah. you're all out there listening thank you it has really really made my year as <laughs> <laughs> a highlight of uh 2023 for sure or one of them so thank you guys so much yeah thank you let us know what we can do if you have questions yeah let and, us know yeah please and we'll talk to you guys next week Talk to you soon. Bye.